Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Unfortunately, um, he's been retired. Yes, he's retired. Um, so we look, but there were other things that he lost as a result of the criminal trial. You know, you'll be interdicted, and so when you're interdicted, you are not paid your full emoluments and all this. So we look at them and then come back. But Evans, listen, the, the, the attorney general has destroyed Abuja. He's destroyed the man's life. And so I'm surprised it's a chair He knows we are good friends, but we have to. This one is a professional matter. I'm not being political. That's law I'm talking. You assault free speech like this. You destroy a man's career. You just destroy a man's career like that for your political ends. You are trying to prop up a Kufado who has shown to have no clue. You see how it has unraveled. You see how Kufado's governance has unraveled. That's all. The man was just telling you that, hey, this Arab Spring you rode on to come to office is still staring us in the face. Let's do something to stand the Arab Spring. That's all he said. Then you assault free speech like this by putting him on trial and thereby guarding the rest of the public officers. That was what was done. You destroy a man for political ends. This is a legal argument I'm making because this is what we call abuse of process. This is what we call malicious prosecution. So those things I'm talking about, that's uh, what? Tots law I'm talking about. That's constitutional law I'm talking about. That's governance. It's not uh, just uh, mere politics. You destroy a man to help uh, this proper people for those government, a government which has unraveled, shown that, uh, you see, even corruption, you see, he's ended up being the most corrupt. For the past three years, we've been on 43-43. And unfortunately, the 43 was the worst mark that Mahama got. Mahama that we said he was corrupt and we voted him out and brought you Ikufado in. When it turned out that you are more corrupt, Ikufado, you've made your family very rich. Your family very rich at the expense of the nation. Your family very rich at the... Martin, this is a purely criminal matter that the a court of competence jurisdiction has considered and tonight delivered a verdict. I mean, what's the point of bringing in, uh, you know, politics in terms of outcome of elections, etc.? You have a you, you have a course, right, in court from what I understand. We have redress in court if you indeed believe this was frivolous and malicious pro- prosecution. Yes. So the, the thing that the connection is that like I mentioned, they were misgoverning and the man was warning. They were misgoverning and the man warned Abuja was warning them that hey, the Arab Spring is still here. It's still here. And then some citizens said they wanted to demonstrate. And he was just teaching them, I mean like giving them guidelines that under the public order act. You need to give five days notice, etc. And the Kufado sought to guard him. That's how they mounted this frivolous prosecution. So please, Evans, it has everything to do with corruption, everything to do with misgovernance. They destroyed a man and his family just because they wanted citizens to keep quiet. But you see the karma. You see how now Kufado's governance has unraveled. He's now down. You see how his MPs rose up in parliament. They said sack finance minister. Have you ever seen any number of MPs? 80, later 95, and then eventually the whole majority say sack Kenofuyata. So you see the bad governance. They sought to guard citizens. Evans, that's what I'm saying. So this is a message to public officers that look, they should be free to speak their mind. Ghana doesn't belong to Kufadu. That's the meaning of this judgment. That's the meaning that public officers should not be guarded. 
public officers are also citizens. Public officers can comment on matters of national interest. That is what this judgment means. If you believe this was malicious prosecution, what do you intend to do about it? Yeah, so we are looking at it where we will have to sue. We will look at how to put a case together and sue the, the government. Yes. And you're going to be asking for what? Compensation? Yes, that's it. The, the remedy for malicious prosecution is uh, usually compensation that will be paid for destroying a man just to gag public officers. That's what this whole case is about. This is a case that will be taught, even though you see it as criminal law, it will be taught as part of constitutional law lectures that public officers should speak their mind. They are allowed to speak. Public officers are allowed to speak. This attempt to gag public officers has failed. When you are misgoverning, citizens will talk. Even judges will talk. Did you hear the chief justice say that we need judicial independence? Evans, did you hear the chief justice say we need judicial independence? They are not getting independent. Financial, they are emasculating the judicial service. You see, so you see the chief justice have to complain that they need judicial uh, judicial independence. Then the chief justice at a vetting to also mention that we need to amend the constitution so that the president will have no role in the discipline of judges. There are more that I said that I can imagine that she doesn't want to rock the boat too high. You see how now Sophia Kufu is free to talk. That is it. Ghana is changing. This case is a seminal case in constitutional law. I tell you, because it shows that, listen, you can't just guard public officers like that. Have you seen? Give me clarity on this. You, you said he was interdicted. Whilst on interdiction, he was retired. And we believe there are benefits that he has been denied as a result of this case. Now he is a free man. What's the plan there? Are you going to be asking the police service to pay him what he, what he was due? Oh, absolutely, yes. That, that is part of the law. So the police service, uh, they have the, this in the CI, constitutional instrument, CI 76. So if you are interdicted, then there are other laws. This is not to make it a law lecture. But under the law, if you interdict somebody, and then subsequently, it shows that you are even your reasons for interdicting him are wrong, etc. Yeah, you have to pay him back. Yes, except that in this particular case, he is not uh, what you call he's retired, so he's reached the compulsory retirement age. Maybe Ekufado to show remorse, he can consider giving him a contract. You know, under Article One Nine Nine, one of the, the um, no, we did an amendment to the Constitution where now public officers are giving contracts up to five years. Just as it's done for his family and friends, maybe for this man that they've destroyed him, maybe the least they can do is to give him a contract. Yes, then he can come back. Because you don't destroy a man like that for political expediency. Ah, politicians should stop this and they will win this country if we don't speak up, Evans. If we don't speak up, politicians will destroy this country for their par parochial ends, for their par parochial interests. How do you do that? You just destroy a man like that. You just destroy him. Father, he came on this same message. Arab Spring, Arab Spring, Arab Spring. So what did Agojo say? He was also warning about the same Arab Spring. So if Jomana did not have Ekufado prosecuted for uh, saying Ghana is uh, going to suffer an Arab Spring, why do you have Agojo prosecuted for saying Arab Spring? Uh, and the Deputy Attorney General said with me, uh, Alfred Chanyo, but he makes the point that this uh, former police officer uh, former police chief, he's retired now. He has been destroyed. He has been, has he not? Because of what has happened, he was interdicted, now retired. His benefits due him has not been paid. 
uh, many will look at him all the time and remember that he's one of those individuals who was accused of attempting to kidnap a president and overthrow him. That, that is a consequence of what has happened now, especially now that we learn that there were defects in the case against him. Yes, he went through a trial. And nobody may want to go through a trial for five years. As I said, I defy a lot of accused persons. Fortunately for him now, he's been acquitted and discharged. So if you want to tag him with that, it will not stick because he's been acquitted and discharged. In terms of his benefits, as I earlier said, a process will have to be set in motion. As his lawyer said, we have to go through the processes and whatever is due him, we have to pay to him. And that's how I think we should be looking at it. In terms of having gone through the process, that's how the law works. But fortunately for him and for Martin Pibu, he's been acquitted and discharged. And because of that, nobody can say, oh, you, 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 you were convicted. No, that one, nobody can say it. It's only those who have been convicted who can be tagged as, yes, we to say criminals or prisoners or whatever. But he cannot be tagged this way. Uh, thank you very much, Afrachai. Well, you heard Martin Pibu there earlier. You heard uh, lawyer Adaudu, who represented the six who were uh, convicted. They have been sentenced to death by hanging him. And for this is obviously a big developing story indeed. And it's something that we are focusing on still to try and get some clarity on the human rights questions that have been raised, including death by hanging. And we have details also I've been hearing from the lawyer uh, for the acquitted police officer, Martin Pibu, who is vowing to sue the state for malicious prosecution of his client. For compensation. But this case has always been frivolous against him from day one. The party to allow him to contest the primaries now that Obi Amor has decided to quit the race. Details are some NPP parliamentary aspirants seeking to be endorsed in the upcoming Saturday primaries already running out of cash, partly due to voter inducement, with others pushing for a review of what we term as vote buying. A student, that person votes for me on a certain day. Are you going to call that bribery? I need my, my child is in the hospital and you pay for the fees. How are you going to translate that? So I think we need to look at the laws with the, within that contest. But the party says it won't hesitate to take on members proving to be buying votes. Anybody that is any evidence of somebody buying votes uh, that we can rely on to be able to prosecute the agenda of making sure that we clean out the system of vote buying can come forward and the MPP will look at it and refer it to the appropriate processes. We'll take you to the Bantama constituency where it's a battle between a VIP bus and Aboboya in the second Itakradi Metropolitan Assembly is also set to embark on a massive typhoid vaccination for all food vendors in the Metropolitan Assembly as most food vendors screen for the disease tested positive. When we do the medical screen, when we go to do the food vendoring, the result that we have, typhoid fever, typhoid fever, typhoid fever, yes. We have that and more, plus business and sports tonight on Newsnight. You want to join us with your thoughts and comments via WhatsApp is 0551 We stay with this uh, developing story that uh, broke just about uh, 4 p.m. when the court delivered its verdict. And we've been hearing from lawyer for acquitted and discharged police officer ACP Benjamin Agojo and two others who were accused of plotting to destabilize the country. Martin Pebu says they will sue the state for malicious prosecution and compensation for falsely accusing his client of being a coup plotter. Martin Pebu adds that his client was only highlighting the economic hardships Ghanaians were going through. And you see that from day one, Agojo had always made it clear that, listen, he was just giving 
uh, advice about how to get citizens active, the tag group as an NGO to get active. And there was going to be a demonstration there. He said, look, pass through the legal means. Because he said, look, conditions are ripe in Ghana for another spring. And you see, since the time he spoke, it's gotten worse. That was before COVID hit. And you are aware that when COVID hit, about 850,000 more of our fellow Ghanaians were what, pushed down into the, uh, below the poverty line. So now more people are hungry, more people are out of jobs. You see, unemployment has gone through the roof. So these are the things he's talking about. Lack of food, unemployment, etc. The suffering of the masses. That's all that he said. So he said, look, if you are going to demonstrate on such matters, pass through the legal channels. That's all that he said. And yet the state wove a very frivolous case, frivolous to the highest degree, around his neck. And today you see the court has exonerated him. We'll sue the state for compensation. Because this case has always been frivolous against him from day one. We look at malicious prosecution and all the other causes of action. Because this case against Dr. Agoje has always been frivolous to the highest degree from day one. And the Attorney General knows it. Well, ACP Benjamin Agojo, Kenel Gameli, and Sidra Abubakar were acquitted and discharged by the court for plotting a coup, while six others were sentenced to death by hanging. And this is an issue they will be exploring further shortly. But lawyer for some of the convicted alleged coup plotters expressed the disappointment. Victor Kujuga Adawudu is one of them. I've spoken to them. Um, I think our song, one of my clients has been acquitted and discharged. I believe that the evidence we have put before this court they hadn't critically looked at some of the cross-examination and evidence, some of the loopholes. And I, I think that it's a process. We would definitely be going to the Supreme Court for it to also look at the evidence. We believe that some of the charges, you saw the soldiers, it was conspiracy, but they've been acquitted on the substantive charge. So these are things that we would test. We will go to the Supreme Court and see. But I believe that looking at what we have put before this court, we have done it, and we will go to the Court of Appeal. Today is a really, really a sad day because... Because? Yes, because it's a sad day. If you even look, they don't even have an inventory when they arrested the people. Well, so that's uh, Victor Kujugada, one of the lawyers for the six um, who have been sentenced to death by hanging. And he's been telling me on, uh, on Top Story that as we speak tonight, they have been processed. They'll be spending the night beginning of their sentence. The prep is already underway uh, towards the possible uh, hanging of the individuals in question. But he wants now to pursue the case of appeal uh, that could stay that execution and wants to take it to the Supreme Court uh, for that. Well, let's bring in Peter Lanchini Tobu himself, a former um, police officer and also a member of the Defence and Interior Committee in Parliament, joins us via phone. So really, uh, the question now is, we've been hearing from the lawyer of ACP Agojo, mentioning that they're going to sue the state for malicious prosecution, amongst others. But really, in a case like this, what happens to an officer who was interdicted because of a particular case that was ongoing in court? Hello, Mr. Lanchini. <laughs> Hello, Peter Lanchini Tobu. Okay. Is on phone? Okay, it doesn't look like he can hear us. Peter Lanchini Tobu, can you hear me, sir? 
unfortunately, we have a, a terrible connection to Peter Lancini Tobu's uh, line there, and, and we're trying to establish contact also from with his him. lawyer. He was interdicted and subsequently retired. Uh, and so that then also becomes an additional issue that needs to be clarified. What is the uh, procedure within the police service for rectifying that now that he has uh, been acquitted and discharged? That's uh, a key thing to try and explore and understand the processes. Now the lawyers say they will use the legal procedure to get the benefits that he was due as a police officer. And uh, again, he's been retired. Is he entitled to benefits? Uh, as an ACP, a very senior police officer. That's uh, something I will get some clarity for you about. But also the subject around uh, the issue of uh, uh, hanging, sentenced to death by hanging, is an issue that human rights advocates have been uh, talking about for quite a while, that Ghana should uh, abolish the death sentence, uh, not only abolish it, but do without you know, hanging altogether. Uh, that's another issue that uh, we need to explore uh, on the night when we are looking back on the decision of the courts to impose a death sentence uh, by hanging on six individuals who were now being convicted of attempting to kidnap and kill the president. I believe we have uh, Peter Lanchini Tobu back on the line. But we'll also explore that uh, the issue about the death by hanging and uh, MP, former Dina Francis Xavier, so, so you know he's a human rights lawyer, he's been advocating for the abolition of that. He joins us via Zoom. Uh, let's check. He's on Zoom, Evans. Uh, he joins us via Zoom. Uh, Mr. Sosu, thank you so much for your time here on Newsnight. Yeah, thank you for having me and, and good evening to cherished viewers and listeners. And this is exactly what you were pushing for. And today, is this the kind of sentence that you were expecting? Death by hanging six persons? Um, honestly, uh, it's quite disappointing that in this day and age, despite all the uh, gains Ghana has made internationally with respect to abolition of death penalty, we will still be having a sentence of death by hanging. Uh, it is a bit retrogressive and it flies in the face of the human rights uh, records that or the human rights progress that we have achieved as a people. Uh, but then again, I think uh, this is exactly the reasons why uh, beyond championing and rallying for the abolition of death penalty under the uh, Criminal and Other Offenses Act and the Armed Forces Act, uh, we ask that the government will sign the second optional protocol to the civil and political uh, uh, to the, civil, uh, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. And this second optional protocol requires that under no circumstance at all, whether the penalty exists on your statute books or not, would a uh, country use a death penalty uh, against a citizen. Unfortunately, we haven't ratified that. And as we are all aware, despite the effort under the Act uh, 29 and then the Armed Forces Act, uh, Article 3 of the 1992 Constitution still carries uh, a penalty of death. And and you will recall that ahead of the campaign for abolition of death penalty, people were saying that, but they are on our statute and we don't use them, so why campaign for its abolishment? So under Article 3 of the Constitution, or the Article 3 of the Constitution has been there since 1992, and nobody has ever been successfully convicted under Article 3 of the Constitution. But today, we have a conviction under Article 3 of the Constitution. And that is why we cannot say that we should simply leave the law. I believe that this is the time for us to have a deeper reflection and, and, and do a sober reflection. And as a people, uh, we think the use of death penalty. And, and as you are all aware, when you look at the campaign that we have done over the years, from either the judiciary, the Ghana Police Service, prison authority, 
everyone is of the view that we need to replace the law of uh, death penalty with, with, with life imprisonment. Unfortunately, we haven't done that yet. And that is why the court today can impose uh, death by hanging under Article 3 of the Constitution. And, 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 that's, and that's the clarity I, I wanted to, to emphasize, that the judges in the case today, the court had no choice in the matter, that once it was treason, the penalty was death. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, because that is what is contained in Article 3 of the Constitution. I mean, you can do all that you can, but so long as the law, you know, uh, okays it, the judge cannot do anything. No matter how the judge feels about it, uh, the judge will go ahead and impose the penalty of death. And and again, uh, Evans, I think when you look at the entire trial and you look at the number of people who have put on, on trial and those who have been acquitted, so the exact reasons why others have been acquitted will be the same reasons why others have been convicted. So let's not forget that. So for the fact that the AG said, oh, well, there was some defect in the case of Dr. Goju. I'm telling you from the part of judges or uh, 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 whatever, uh, 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 jury, there could equally be defect because I realized that a, num a number of those other people also did not have the financial means to get their own lawyers, so they were represented by legal aid. And so the, the whole case of death penalty being too final and that there could be defect, people could wrongly be you know, convicted and, and maybe sentenced to death uh, when they, in the future they could be acquitted. So the uncertainty in the whole system, I believe, is the reason why we must all rally around uh, the Constitutional Review Commission's work in 2010, which uh, the government by its white, white paper in 2012 uh, uh, accepted that we should replace the death penalty in Article 3 with life imprisonment. We must all rally around this and ensure that we remove death penalty permanently from Ghana. Well, quick clarity, though, uh, it's something that we've been haggling over in the studios. Was this not one of the things we're pushing for in Parliament that we're hoping that the president will give accent to? Well, I think that um, maybe to, to make matters clear, the, the bills that were passed in Parliament were three. The uh, Criminal and Other Offences Act, and then we have the Armed Forces Act, and then the Criminal and Other Offences Act number two. The number two relates to the witchcraft accusation, which the president is to assent to. And then the Armed Forces Act, the president is to assent to. The Criminal Offences Act, which is the one taking away the penalty for uh, murder and others, the president assented to that and it was gazetted. So that is law. So irrespective of the fact that he had actually written that he indicated that he didn't want to assent to all the three, he had earlier on, on the 2nd of August, uh, 2023, assented to the criminal offenses number one, which actually abolished the penalty for ordinary crimes. So that remains the law that those laws, those, I mean, the penalty have been abolished for those ordinary crimes. And indeed, the courts have applied it. There have been courts that have committed people for murder and have given them life sentence. Uh -huh. But for the armed forces and the, the witchcraft uh, or the anti-witchcraft bill, they are those that the president has not yet assented to. And upon uh, passage of these bills, we began the new advocacy for the removal of the Article 3 uh, death penalty, uh, in which we're suggesting to the president that he would sign the second optional protocol to the International Convention on Civil and Political Rights, which would effectively remove death penalty permanently from Ghana. That he has not yet done. And then secondly, uh, he raised issues with the uh, assent to uh, uh, the Armed Forces Act as well as the Witchcraft Bill. And that is what has muddied the water. Otherwise, death penalty effectively have been abolished for ordinary crimes 
under uh, uh, Act 29 of uh, uh, Act 29, which is the Criminal and Other Offences Act. We are grateful uh, for joining us. That's Francis Xavier Sosu. He's a human rights lawyer, also MP uh, for Medina. And thankfully, Professor PJ Tuya uh, also joins us on the line. He's a lawyer. He knows a lot about uh, this international law and then human rights and issues as well. We are grateful for your time here on News. I'm sure you've been following uh, this particular ACP Benjamin Agojo case. Today, he's been discharged and acquitted together with two others. Others have been hang- sentenced to death by hanging. But really, the options available, we'll be hearing from his lawyer who is threatening to to sue uh, for malicious prosecution. Really, what options are available to ACP Benjamin Agojo, for instance? Can you specify what are respect to uh, ACP Agojo that you're talking about? Start with ACP or Benjamin the, the, Agojo. With Benjamin Agojo to start with. Okay. I think um, his case has uh, certainly has human rights element to it. That is the fact that um, he said the, the case borders around freedom of expression and the right to um, organize peaceful demonstrations. This is where, um, this is what put him into trouble. And for a country that has these provisions in our constitution and as a party to the major international human rights conventions that deal with um, respect for these rights, including even our own um, African Charter on Human and People's Rights. It, it's, it creates a dent in the image of Ghana's human rights record. And so for the fact that he has been vindicated and found not guilty of abetment to those crimes, certainly creates a bad image for on Ghana's human rights record. Well, is reinstatement as part of the compensation on the table, you would say? Certainly. Again, that is also another human rights issue uh, bordering on labor rights more specifically. And um, if you are in such situation, he was interdicted. And so he wasn't entitled to the full complements of his salary and so on. And so now that he has been found not guilty, he's entitled to be compensated. And all monies that are due him, taken away from him, should be returned or should be should be paid back to him. And obviously, the case borders on malicious prosecution. So he can sue. He can sue for against the government and asked to be compensated for the harm done to his name and image. Because clearly the facts seem to indicate that he wasn't supposed to have been um, 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 charged and prosecuted for on grounds of abetment to the crimes that were leveled against the other accused persons who are now become convicts, the convicts. We are grateful. And this is an issue we'll definitely explore further subsequently. But let me uh, take a quick view uh, from Peter Lanchini Tobo. He's a former officer we've been talking about and also a member of the Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament. So we're talking about internal processes, at least. Uh, the man has been acquitted and discharged. Uh, internal procedures to fix this. What would it be? Hello, good evening. And good evening to your cherished listeners. I'm quite excited this evening to have the opportunity to make some few comments on the issue involving Dr. Benjamin Agoyo. Today he's been acquitted and discharged. And the lawyer will tell you, when you're acquitted and discharged, the meaning is that it seems nothing had ever happened. So Dr. Benjamin Agoyo, by police administrative rules, will have to be reinstated, reinstated to where he belonged, and promoted to be a power with his mates. And for me, we have seen people who have died and they've been promoted posthumously. The way he has suffered for the past four years, I think that it wouldn't be a wrong thing for the Inspector General of Police to decide that he is going to be reinstated 
promoted to be a car with his mate and retired so that he would get all his benefits as required. And that would be a motivation for people who are in uniform. We cannot be cowed in uniform. But in his case, Mr. Tobu, in his case, at least when the case was going on, he was interdicted. Then his retirement age kicked in. He had to be retired at that point. What then happens with that such a case? Whatever it is, you cannot retire on interdiction. Because there is no way you can have a case pending in court and the police will even allow you to resign. Neither will you, because automatically the retirement age has caught up with you. But the moment you are acquitted and discharged, what is right to be done is for you to be reinstated, the right things done, and you'll be retired as if nothing has ever happened to you. And that is exactly what I expect the police administration to do to Dr. Benjamin Agojo. If he's supposed to go home as a deputy commissioner of police, let's promote him deputy commissioner of police, let him retire as deputy commissioner of police, and go home as if he had never had the case before. That is the meaning of acquitted and discharged. He can't then return to the service, from what you're explaining. No, no, he cannot return to the service. He's hit the compulsory retirement age. And the court is saying that he hadn't done anything wrong. So the police administration have to treat him as somebody who had committed no offense. He's supposed to retire. If he was due for promotion and because of the court case, he wasn't promoted. He will now be promoted and he will be retired as if nothing had ever happened. And if that doesn't happen? If that doesn't happen. I'm sure that his lawyers are following will look at other opportunities. But whatever it is, I am even surprised that the attorney general with the power of knowledge prosecutor could not see in the middle of the prosecution that this was actually a very frivolous case. They could have just, just backed out. Enter a knowledge prosecutor against the case involving Dr. Benjamin Algojo and let him go back to work. For you to waste his time and waste his life to this time, it's hurting, it's painful. I am grateful that justice has finally been dealt with. But honestly speaking, it is a very bad case. Just curious, though, did you work closely with ACP Dr. Benjamin Agojo? Come again? I'm wondering if you ever worked closely with him in the in the service. We've been very good friends for the past 10 years. We've worked together in the United Nations. He's a trainer and a trainer. We've traveled across the world delivering training programs. He deals with human rights. I deal, I deal with law enforcement. And in fact, the two of us have been very close. And I was so shocked. To hear that Dr. Benjamin Agoja will be interested in the matters of coup d'etat, I was shocked to the marrow. And this evening I'm so excited because it's proven to me that he's a very good friend. And what I thought of him is what the, what the lawyers and the courts have decided today. Oh, uh, Peter Lanchini Tobu there. Um, he's an ex-officer in the Ghana Police Service also. He is um, a member of parliament now and also a member of the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament. I know you have a lot to say about this. Why don't you share your thoughts with us on WhatsApp 055 Still ahead, the Ghana Chamber of Minds has clashed tonight with the Trade Union's Congress over government's impending policy to withdraw value added tax on mining exploration in Ghana, suggesting that it is near criminal for the levy to be imposed for mining companies. The probability of making a commercial fine is so, so, so low. So for me, it is near criminal even to say that you bring your investment capital into the country. Government is at the door and say, pay, pay VAT on it. I don't think that is, is a good thing to do for our country. And George, your face here with business. Hello, George. Hi. Upgrade an event's coming up at $300 million World Bank cash will be advanced towards projects identified in the 2024 budget. And economist Dr. Patrick Kusumi cast out of measures in place to track inflows from the World Bank 
and the IMF in ensuring value for money. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Kingdom Books and Stationery, Syntax Tanks and Pepsodent, Charcoal and Herbal. Sure that there is value for money when it comes to the inflows of these funds coming from the World Bank and the IMF. When you put money into budget support, then it's just messed up in the pool. I don't think that these funds will be spent in a way that we are able to say uh, we are using it to do A, B, and C. It's just coming into the pool. Now, in terms of whether we have enough for ensuring value for money, I don't think there's anything extraordinary about anything additional uh, monitoring mechanisms on this to ensure that you know we are getting value for money. So the traditional system that we use for doing our spending, which many many of us believe uh, has a lot of laxities, will apply. So I don't think there's a, we shouldn't expect additional value for money because of this, these funds. And that is the economist Dr. Patrick Sumi. Bank of Ghana's international reserves are expected to witness some significant increase by the end of this month. Now, this will happen as the IMF cash of more than $600 million hit the central bank account, as well as the $300 million from the World Bank. Details in this report. Ghana's international reserves ending November last year stood at $5.1 billion. But hoping this amount has not declined, then, by the end of this month, it could have reached more than $7 billion. This is due to the more than $600 million that the Bank of Ghana has received from the IMF, which came through yesterday. The $300 million from the World Bank should also be hitting the Bank of Ghana's account in the coming days. For some, the immediate impact of this will be the fact that the Bank of Ghana is now in a better position to support the local currency. It should also send some signal to the currency speculators about the fortunes of the Ghana city going forward. All this might go a long way to help stabilize the Ghana city. It will be interesting to see how the Bank of Ghana's current position may help it to deal with the perennial first quarter pressure on the local currency as most businesses may be demanding dollars to finance their import. But are these funds being used by government and what mechanisms are in place to ensure some accountability? We should not forget that the IMF has already disbursed more than $1.2 billion to Ghana. $600 million came through last year and second tranche of the $600 million hit central banks account this year. But Joy Business is learning that demand picked up last week and it appears that it's not ending based on development on Monday on the market. And that is a business tax report. Meanwhile, lead research with GCB Capital Courage, but he says he does not expect any significant turnaround in the city's fortunes. So far this year, um, relative stability compared to what we've seen in January 2023. Um, um, yes, and, and it's largely because of some of these uh, uh, inflows that are priced into, into expectations on the market. So it will be more of a stable performance, uh, maybe through quarter one, bearing in mind the seasonality pressures we are accustomed to in quarter one, uh, but nothing extreme uh, like we've seen in 2021 or even 2020, um, 20, uh, 2023 and 2022. And Courage Boutique's lead research at GCB Capital. 
Now, Glyco Healthcare says it is taking steps to expand the health insurance coverage in the country. To its end, the company has actually ended by launching the Glyco Sunqua Health Plan and Glyco eHealth app. Chief Executive of Glyco Healthcare, that is Mami Fia Wachi, says these two products will leverage on technology to offer patrons enhanced services. The Sunka is designed for people in the diaspora to purchase or buy for their families here. You realize that there are instances where people get sick or fall ill and their relatives abroad have to run helter-skelter to sort of find money to bring it home to take care of them. But this gives the convenience. Someone purchases for their family back home. You have the peace of mind and the convenience the whole year. So if your mom falls ill, your dad falls ill, your child over here, your niece or nephew, rest assured, the introduction of the e-health, which is an added value service that is given to our clients who would sign on the Sunka. And this service is really about having access to doctors in the comfort of your home. And uh, that is Mami Fiebuachi. She's chief executive of the Glyco Healthcare, talking about these new two products that they've launched onto the market. And that's all uh, for business on Newsnight. You're still live here on News Night. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. Tonight, disagreements have the match between the Ghana Chamber of Mines and the Trade Union Congress over government decision to withdraw the imposition of value and the tax on mining uh, in Ghana. Now, the news conference to kick against the imposition of the value of the tax on electricity, the umbrella body of all Ghanaian labor unions uh, took a swipe at the sector minister uh, for giving a free pass to multinational mining firms who, in their view, should be paying more taxes. Very, very sad to note that why government is imposing VAT on us, residential customers of electricity, plans are far advanced to remove VAT on mineral exploration in Ghana for wealthy multinational mining companies. In a meeting with Ghana Chamber of Mines, I show them assure them that that policy will be implemented in the first quarter of 2024. What kind of life is But responding to the concerns, the Ghana Chamber of Mines says he will be engaging the TUC to educate them. He's been speaking to my colleague, Blessed Suga. There are various phases of, of mining. So you start with exploration. And that phase of exploration, you don't have revenue because you're exploring. As the name connotes, you are now looking for it. You drill here, you take samples, you take it to the laboratory, you do the analysis. Is it good enough? No, it is not good enough. Oh, I think let me find here, statistically based upon experience, let me look here, let me take a drill rig and drill and find out what is there. Take it to the laboratory, do the assaying. And, and so that phase of mining, there's no revenue. So where is the profit coming from? There are a number of companies who have come to this country. And when I'm talking about companies, not just foreign companies. In fact, if you go to Minas Commission, about 50% of the exploration tenements are held by Ghanaians. You understand what I'm talking about? So for us, it is not a white investor or a black investor. We are talking about that phase of mining, how critical it is for the future of our economy of our country. And all we are saying that for that phase of mining, there's no revenue. So this is expensive capital coming into the country. And even before they make a commercial fine, you are standing at the gate and saying, no, give me so much of it. And we are saying morally, ethically, and that's, and that's about 20%, a little above that, of that amount which has to go into exploration. Ethically, morally, it is wrong. So for me, it is near criminal 
even to say that you bring your investment capital into the country, whether a foreigner or not, start exploration. And then even before you even make a commercial fine, government is at the door and say, pay, pay VAT on it. But I'm sure you've listened to the Trade Union Congress. Uh, you watched them address the press yesterday. If there's a response to them, what would you tell them based on the concerns they are I think we would love to have more intimate conversations with them. The mineral resources belong to all of us. And ideally, uh, we should all have a say regarding how these resources are actually, you know, um, managed. Unfortunately, it's not everybody who has the understanding of the industry, and that's why we do a lot of advocacy. So our expectation is that they could come close to us, or we would even reach out to them and say, look, let's have a conversation. We are talking about a dedicated phase of mining, which is exploration. If indeed we believe that mining is important to us, sometimes we, we make the argument without mining, probably our exchange rate will be around 15 or even more than that. Because when you are talking about gross merchandise export, we have been number one for so many years, even when you add other segments of the, uh, of the other sectors of the economy, whether it is cocoa, oil and gas, they pale into insignificance compared to the mining industry. I guess. Uh, let's bring in Dr. Tony Obing. Uh, he is the president of the Africa Institute of Extractive Industries and a former chief executive of the Minerals Commission joins us on the line right now. What do you make of this government policy to withdraw the VAT on mineral exploration? Well, good evening uh, to your, your challenge listeners. I, you know, I've had a position on this VAT uh, position on exploration for a very long time. And I don't believe that my position has changed. But I would want to look at the drift of Dr. Yauba. I think his interest was more on the uh, electricity tariffs. I mean, the, the VAT on electricity, which is really his concern. I, I, I'm surprised that he actually conflated that with the um, VAT on exploration. Whilst I support and I agree with Dr. Yaba that the escalation of uh, taxes on, on uh, electricity is killing almost everybody, I disagree with him when it comes to the issue of um, uh, you know, VAT on exploration. And I think the CEO of the, of the Chamber of Mines did a great service. He did a great service by explaining clearly that um, you know exploration is a very risky activity. Um, you go in, uh, you are not sure of what you're going to get. If you don't get anything, you go in with your cost. So if you ask the person to pay ahead of what he's going to find, I think it is very uh, unproductive, unnecessary, and not beneficial to the economy. Um, and it's, there, there, there are some statistical information that suggests that Ghana is looting out in exploration because of uh, the, the, the continuous charge of that. How, many, how much of a but, difference then will they make if government uh, goes ahead with this plan to withdraw the imposition? Yes, so, I mean, at the moment, I'm sure government has realized that it's not making anything because not many people are doing exploration. So if they don't do it, you don't have it. But it's part of your 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 gamut of taxes that you have in the country. So I'm sure government is being sensitive to the fact that, after all, uh, the the very I mean very small exploration we're going on in this country. Why do we have to have it as a layer of tax on our tax gamut? Mm. I'm grateful uh, that you join us, uh, Dr. Tony Obinder, president of the Africa Institute of Extractive Industries. He's a former chief executive of the 
Minerals Commission. And MFA, there is some development story on the SML subject. You know, recently we saw a letter um, that was written by the GRA to the presidency following the suspension of operations by SML and asking for an audit uh, to be conducted by KPMG. We know that GRA mentioned that they expressed concerns about the operation ramification and disruptions that uh, this particular suspension or direction by the president will arise uh, from the SML suspension. Well, today we are hearing, um, we're getting a statement from the president. We've been talking about an extension that was requested by KPMG in terms of the audit. So um, the presidency has issued a statement, Director of Communication Eugene Ahin signs that and says that the president has extended the period with which KPMG is to complete its audit on the transaction between the Ghana Revenue Authority and SML from the initial date of Tuesday, 16th January 2024 to a new date of February 23rd, February 2024. And it also touches on that particular letter that was written by the GRA to the presidency. They've denied the GRA's request and has directed that the status quo remains uh, with respect to the suspension of the performance of the contract and it should remain in effect until the completion of the audit and subsequent submission of the audit report by KPMG. So that's the latest um, statement from the presidency when it comes to that SML deal. So that revenue assurance contract remains suspended. Let's do sports now. Um, Ms. Bowie is here with the latest. Yeah, events. Well, of course, we're all aware that uh, Chris Eaton is no longer the head coach of the Black Stars. And this follows the this, uh, announcement by the Ghana Football Association uh, of his term, the termination of his contract, along with all of his assistants and the other technical team members. Well, some Ghanaians have been speaking, reacting to this development, while others are in support of it. <laughs> there are those who are also calling for the Ghana Football Association itself to also take responsibility. I don't know the contract that the government had with him, the GFA had with him, but they gave him an assignment that do this for us. So if you don't do it, you need to be sacked. If the GFA sacks the coach, they should sack them. They should also sack themselves. They should also sack themselves because they are part of the problem. Uh, every coach can be sacked. But when we look at the content, why do we sack the coach? Is it the performance of the players or is a coach error? One thing you should look at that. So I don't see why you should sack the coach. Well, veteran administrator and former uh, chairman of the Ghana Football Association, uh, Dr. Nyaho Nyaho Tamaklo, insists that government also need to take responsibility when it comes to the development of the sport in the country. If government fails to show interest in sport, we shall always be at risk. Any government that comes from who will not put money into football or sport to forget about getting good results. So in short, this is how it is. We have to also make sure that we create a youthful side that will be trained by a coach who will live in the country, not the coach who is staying outside. That's uh, Nyaho Nyaho Tamakolo there. Well, even there are now five coaches, five Afghan coaches have now either resigned or been sacked. Now, Jamel Belmadi is the head coach of Algeria. He has since resigned from his role as head coach of the, of the national team following the exit from the tournament after losing to Mauritania yesterday. And host nation, Ivy Coast, they've also sacked their head coach, Jean-Louis Gasset. Now, Ivy Coast at the moment are likely to 
you know, play in the round of 16, awaiting results in other games so they could qualify as part of the third best place finishers. But they have since sacked their head coach and former Ivory International Amosis Fai is the one who's going to take over. And alongside Chris Eaton and the Gambian head coach Tom Senfiet also, also resigned. And for Tanzania head coach Adele Amrouche, he was uh, sacked after the first game in the AFCON because of some allegations he made against the Confederation of African Football. That's it for sports. The sacking season is indeed here. Let's get into the election headquarters. We start off with a three-day building Ghana tour of the flag bearer of the NDC, John Dramani Mahama. He's been calling the bluff of uh, President Kufuado uh, for actually criticizing people who have been uh, criticizing him. The president is said to have challenged some groupings uh, to vote against the NPP if they feel the government has failed to meet their demand. Yes, Nanay Aljima's report. The walk ended at the Jubilee Park in Kumase. Here, all three candidates of the 2023 NDC presidential primary mounted the platform with John Mahama. The flag bearer took advantage of the opportunity to preach unity among supporters of the NDC. I mounted the stage with my brother Kwabna Dufour on my right and Kojo Bonso on my left. We all lifted our hands to show we are one people. But after the regional and parliamentary election, the reconciliation team is yet to mend the broken relationships. Some disgruntled people continue to give conditions, but I want them to know that the NDC train is set to move. If you don't join, you will be left behind. And that's uh, the former president there uh, speaking in the Ashanti region. And we stay in the Ashanti region because, as you know, we're building up to the uh, MPP parliamentary primary on Saturday. And we want to focus uh, tonight on Bantama and Shaiso and Tafo Pankrono. Uh, they're among the constituencies where there is a lot of focus indeed. My colleague Nana Wachiyadom has a following report. <laughs> In the Ashanti region, Bantema, Ishayaso, and Tafo Pankrono are some key constituencies where incumbent MPs are expected to face tough competition in the MPP parliamentary primaries. The Bantema constituency has witnessed intensive internal contests where incumbent MPs lose after their first turn in parliament. This one for me is not a, it's a no match. When you go to the constituency, those who are voting, they see a big difference, yes. like a, a difference between a VIP bus and Pragya. That is the difference. It's a no match. I don't see this as a competition at all. Raphael the Japan is the unwavering opponent of Francis Asensuwachi, eyeing to unseat him from parliament. He's an MP who can't even socialize with people. He's perceived to be arrogant. But now I agree with them because he talks as if he's, you know, the chief of the world. Calling himself a VIP and then me, Aboboya, and then I'm visionless. Hey, excuse me. Political scientist Dr. Amache Boateng says the Bantama constituency has become a hotspot for years. He believes the incumbent MP can possibly retain his seat. It's not necessarily a case of a, a support for a one-term member of parliament in Bantama. No. But the place has become like Congo Dia, you know, a battleground. 
because of the size of the constituency. Sensibuachi has definitely done what he has to do. At the Tafu Pankrono constituency, incumbent MP Vincent Ekowasefua will battle it out with Sewa Donko. The question or the big question always was that how are we going to get someone to be able to fill in that shoes? And I have no doubt in my mind that within three years, um, I have been able to achieve a lot for the people of Otavo constituency today. But Sewa Donko believes she's the best for the job. development fund. After a failed court injunction, the Inshaeso constituency will be part of Saturday's primaries. Incumbent MP Dr. Stephen Amwa will face a former MP and DC for Asokori Bampong Kennedy can come. When I lost election, I supported them. I supported my predecessor. Campaign, everything. I was paying money, funerals, even the constituency's activity I paid for. But three years, nobody, my predecessor, lives in the same area with me. Meanwhile, Kennedy Kankam has begun his intensive campaign dubbed Sankofa. Dr. Amate Boateng cautioned the delegates against voting for candidates who may not help transform their constituencies. Selecting the right caliber of people to represent, you know, the citizens in parliament, in various positions of responsibility. If in doing that, you take money, and on the basis of that, vote for somebody, on the basis of that, select somebody. That is it. For Joe News, Nana Boatitakweyadom, Komasi. You want to join our special coverage from Saturday, 7 a.m. all the way till we know all the results and give you some analysis. Are we expecting some giants to fall? They always do fall when you go into a parliamentary primary and you don't want to miss any of that on Saturday. Guess who's joining us? I'm Efa the strong and sassy Nimwa. Hello, people. Hi, people. How are you? Hi, Nimwa. What are we talking about? So we're talking about planning and strategizing businesses in 2024. Oh, okay. Isn't it so sexy when you see like a woman, you know, running her own business and like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. like, yeah. like, 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 business, uh, yeah. clothing, <laughs> okay. yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, the vibe, yeah. like, yeah. So yeah. we want to talk about Very the kind fulfilling. of strategies and mm. brand marketing, like, you know, really just helps. But what happens? That business, by the way, you've taken all my time. So, oh, <laughs> simple question. Enemies of progress. So, yeah, that's it for strong and sassy today. Stay tuned in. We're coming up we'll be right tuned after in. this. We'll be tuned in.